when Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast, episode number 15 with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, Bradley Adams. Bradley Adams, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Brad, don't lie. I mean, yeah, I'm all right. I'm alive. Oh, yeah. Come on. Tell tell us about the job search. It sounds pretty tragic, mate. I'm sorry. Yeah, mate. Well, we were just chatting offline about life and stuff and um, just life, you know, life stuff and about like the ex, yeah, the the ex, the existential crises that most of the world is currently going through. And I've had three so far this week. It's Wednesday. So that's yeah, good. I'm, I I nearly I almost had like a full blown mental regression last night where I was just like, what am I doing? Why am I alive? Yeah, um, why am I here? <laughs> but yeah, and I I just mentioned in passing to Alex that I applied for uh, like. A ridiculous amount of jobs, like over a hundred places so far, and just nothing. That back is yet. mental, though, isn't it? Hundred over a hundred jobs, and what have you heard back? Uh, nothing. As in, I've heard back L- not a single word. Uh, I got an email back from one place that was like, "If you're still interested, send us another email." So I did, and then I heard nothing back from that. Oh. But a lot of places are basically just saying, "I'll take your CV and keep it on file," but we're not looking for anyone at the moment, and then. You know, with the news that obviously restrictions are getting tighter, businesses are having are like having to shorten business hours, so they've got less hours to give the same amount of people. It's just not a great market for getting a job at the moment. But our mate Connor uh, is uh, is helping me out. He's given my CV to his manager at Sainsbury's because apparently they're looking for people. But who knows, mate? It's just a bit mad. Cheery start to the pod, eh? It's just a bit mad, but uh, yeah. In other in other news, I've had a I had a bad day yesterday, but I'm a, I had a pretty great day today. I went and I gave blood, donated some blood. Yes, um, Bradley, and uh, big fan. I was um, just chatting. Was that enough validation? I was just yeah, that was a great amount of validation. I was just chatting to the woman that did it um, for about forty five minutes because she was a trainee. So like, was she like stabbing the wrong bit of you? And no, no, no. This is the thing. Like she, so apparently, according to the people there, uh, in my left arm, I've got really great veins. Like they're really prominent and easy to get into. So I mean, it'd be easy for me to become a crackhead in this in this market at this rate. Um, I'm not sure that's how crack is consumed. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know either. But <laughs> um, I think there's something to do with a pipe. Uh, only because I know the word crack pipe. Maybe it'll be a pipe. Fuck me. um, (laughs) Yeah, because obviously she was a trainee, we got chatting a bit more and she she was constantly just like asking me like, was I okay with her doing it and stuff? And I don't have a phobia. I'm fine with needles. I've had a fair amount of like blood tests and injections and stuff. Yeah, but that's quite disconcerting. Someone just constantly being like, is is this okay? Is is it okay? You're like, yes, it's fine. Stop asking. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, go on, just stab me, do it. Stab Um, me. But yeah, and it was all fine. That's that's where the existential crisis has gone. Stab me. Yeah, stab, drain my body, and <laughs> let me my die from my body. <laughs> um, but we, how yeah. you how how did you cheer yourself up? If you don't mind me asking, I've been listening to to six nine. Have you heard of the work of Mister 
Mr. Six Nine? No, I have not, unfortunately. He does such classic songs as um, uh, I get money when I want to. I get bitches when I want to, which is sort of my life, really. Fantastic. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, he's, um, he's a sort of a, a, I guess, I don't know, a drill rapper. Is that a thing? A trap rapper? I don't know. Um, it's very sort of hypey music. So I've been trying to listen to that to cheer me up. But nice. I um, I had a massive chat with my girlfriend last night because I just was a bit like, I just explained like ev- like every reason like why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling currently. Because also I don't talk about myself a lot. Just like I, I don't enjoy it. It's just yeah. not, as in like emo. I, I'm. It's never been something I'm particularly comfortable with. Yeah. Um. I'm similar. I talk a lot, but not about me. <laughs> but yeah, exactly, exactly. You get the vibe. So I just kind of like laid everything out and like just talked through everything, which kind of made me feel a lot better. And my yeah. girlfriend is, you know, an absolute saint. Yeah. All jokes aside, uh, by the way. All jokes aside, I know we have a lot of men who listen to this. If you are struggling a little bit. Do talk to someone. It's so important. Yeah, please. And it's I know it's one of them ones where like I know it's hard. I, I, I still struggle with it, even though I I spout you know, spout that I I even though I I know that that is the case and you should talk to people. I still yeah. find it hard, but it is so important and you feel so much better after. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I literally it's it's almost like um a weight, and I know it's it's a corny like cliche thing to say, but after having that, I I have I also like um. I have like I don't sleep sometimes. I've just got like really weird. Like I'm a bit of an insomniac. Um, and honestly, after having that conversation last night, it's the best night's sleep I've had in like two months. Yeah, mate. You and know, I, I just want to just... I just want to apologise for my casual sexism. We do have women listen, and women should talk about their problems as well. I just know we have a majority male fan base, and men in general, if we're massively generalising, find it harder to talk about their feelings. But you're right. Like it does, you know, helps you sleep and helps you feel better. It's, it really does. It really just kind of gets you on with things. And then this um, this conversation with this woman today really, really helped because um, funnily enough, she was, well, she wasn't in the creative industry like us, but she was an interior designer. So obviously what she did was creative. Wait, what? Oh, oh, as in she's transitioned to be a nurse now? She's, oh, no, they're not even nurses. They're called like donor carers or something where they're basically trained to use the equipment they use and that's all they do. Is that because... Because obviously blood donation is a year-round thing. So they have these people that specifically work in this one capacity. So it's not like a registered nurse. Is that because interior design has kind of gone... Yeah, because, you know, she was just explaining that obviously because her um, her business is mainly going into people's houses, building people's houses and sorting out all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like nothing's really happening at the moment, you know, because either people don't have the money because you know covid has financially hit a lot of people very very hard uh, so kind of extras like getting an interior designer are, are kind of the first things to go especially if you're buying a house yeah and also people aren't going to go do you know what we should do let's get a load of strangers in this house and design it <laughs> yeah so she and that, that's and this it was such a good like day because i i just spent like ages talking to this woman and like hearing about her life and stuff and it was fantastic and amazing you know apparently she she'd gone and She'd worked as a porter in a hospital and like also done some other work. And it was just really nice to kind of hear about people in similar circumstances where like, because I think us actors, we we feel so segregated into our own industry. Whereas obviously- It's because we're special, bro. But it's, I it think is. it just, there's such an echo chamber around us where like most of the people yeah, we know are people actors. Think, people think they're special. Most of the people we know are actors. Most of the people around us are actors. So to hear that it is kind of affecting other industries and other just regular normal people- was it was just kind of almost like a sol- a good solidarity kind of thing to hear. 
definitely, definitely, man. No, I'm, I'm glad you had I'm glad you had that chat. It's nice, nice to hear. Um, so international break. Have you been yeah. watching anything? Absolutely not. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm done with Gareth Southgate. I can't be honest. There was, there was an. I can't remember if I mentioned this on the other podcast, so excuse me. But there was definitely another clip of him of someone asking him a question about Jack Grealish and him going, "Well, Mason Mount, he's you know." That's not a Gareth Southgate impression. I can't do. I can't do one. But yeah, he's. Oh, um, just, let's not just, come on. We we slag him off all the time. That's because he's shit. <laughs> yeah, I think Party score. Uh, Party set up two, which is nice. By nice. the way, he did a. Um, he did. Have you seen like his pictures and his interviews and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally seen him in an Arsenal shirt. He seems really nice. He yeah, it's like the Santi Cazorla vibe of you just can't dislike the man. Do you know what? He's just so pleasant. He seems really, really yeah. nice. He was like answering everyone's questions so nicely and just smiling at them and he seems really open. Nice guy. Which is which is like if you look at kind of his this is a, such a stupid thing to say, but like his physical profile and the way he plays on the pitch obviously has nothing to do with his person off the pitch. But like you know, a guy in the midfield who like is 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 quite big and like you know clearly like you know loves to tackle and and is a bit of an all action. You don't expect him to be like, yeah, yeah, everything's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was really calm and like chill. It was it was it was quite just nice. like cool dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, cool. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. I get but what you mean. There is another thing though. Like I, I've said this before. I think on the pod, if I hear another journalist do this, hi Thomas, welcome to London. Um. So you've obviously joined from Atletico Madrid. Uh, what are your plans with the Arsenal? Would you would you like to win the league? What is the fucking point of that question? It's the same as we talk, we chatted about a little while back, where you said somebody basically asked Jurgen Klopp if he wanted to win the game. <laughs> like it's like I get so I, I I completely understand that journalists there's there's limits on what they can ask there's limits on things that they know they're going to get an answer out of they might just they have their one shot they want to make sure that they get their question in right and some journalists they do like one kind of vague question and then one pusher and i can hear that but there are some people who genuinely every time i hear them it's just like so do you like football it's like what what are you doing (laughs) so did you score a goal yeah or or just like Mm -hmm. facts it's like it's like it's like bad commentary as well it's like well Here's Danny Ceballos wearing number eight. And you're like, yep, can see that. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <sighs> yeah, it, um, it was fine. But the, 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 the interviews were cool, though. They were, they were interesting. It was good to see him in the, in the shirt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm excited for the first match. Um, hopefully Tierney will be able to play because... Yeah. Do you think Party will play? I think he will. I think he probably will. I think it obviously depends on fitness, but... Well, he's trained today and we play Saturday evening. If he couldn't speak English, a couple of training sessions, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, or like yeah. a common language in the sense that if he couldn't speak Spanish, like Arteta can speak, or French, or Italian, or English, like some of the players could speak, I'd probably say no because there'll have to be more of an integration period. But he's already fluent in English, so I reckon he starts. I reckon we. I think so too. I I, I think we still stick with the three four three. It's the universal language of football, Brad. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll probably end up going with a three four three again because it's City, but. With like a Xhaka party midfield, yeah, can see it working well. Yeah, and De Bruyne and Aguero are touch and go as to whether they're going to play. So yeah, and, and sometimes I, like I see people like worried about whether they'll play or not. And obviously, it's better if they're not on the pitch. But even the fact that there's a doubt means he's not going to be at a hundred percent, which is nice. Yeah, um, yeah, it means he won't be at full pace. Yeah, De Bruyne, and I think also De Bruyne is like underrated for his power and pace. Like 
he's actually... You love that. You love that. that, that those phrase. two words, power, power and, and pace. pace. If we listen to the last four podcasts, I think I, I, there is at least a moment <laughs> where I hear it on each one of them. It's you saying, I watched the kickoff, and me saying, power and pace. <laughs> I think I've mentioned the kickoff once. No, but you talk about it. You, you you mentioned it once. I called you out on it, and then and then what happened is you you kept being like, "I watch YouTube," <laughs> and I'm like, "You mean I the watch YouTube football commentators?" <laughs> yeah, it's like me going. There's two aspects of a game which are important, uh, which start with P. <laughs> um, Fuck but yeah, no, like I think De Bruyne, <laughs> De Bruyne is underrated for yeah. his like his um, pace and power. strength and and uh uh how fast he runs so yeah the way the way that he can carry a ball as well i think he's you know he's a a very yeah Yeah. i think everyone just thinks he's a cross merchant which just isn't true yeah in the slightest before we jump into the main i've got like a main thing for this old pod uh have you seen anything about the wenger autobiography yeah 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 yeah. um i obviously he did um a q a thing at the palladium i think it was Oh mate, how good was it to hear that chant? Yeah, I um, it just it makes me reminiscent because I I'm, I I was I I don't know if we've ever talked about this before on what our stances on Wenger were at the time, but I was very much that he should stay till the end of his contract. I think he went a year too early. I I think he went at the right time. I when I say I think he went a year too early, I'm not saying that he was still at the level that he once was, but I was just saying out of respect that gave to a man that like gave this club its biggest and best ever moments. Like he, he is the reason we went and we are the only team that have gone a season unbeaten in the Premier League. Say 12 draws all you want, but you are just a sour fanboy because no other team has done it. If it was easy, another team will have done it. But every year we see teams drop off and lose two matches or three matches or six matches, which isn't a lot, but you just look at the fact that we did not lose once. There was not a defeat once. And it's just an unbelievable feat. Um, so I was very much that he deserved and had earned the respect of staying till the end of his contract rather than kind of resigning a year early. And maybe that gets us out of the Unai Emery fiasco. Yeah, I think I think on the um, unbeaten run thing, like there's a... <laughs> people kind of underrate it as a achievement, right? But then when their team is like on a run, they're so hyped. <laughs> they're like, oh my God, we might do it. We might do it. And I'm like, okay, so, yeah. so it is a good achievement then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on Wenger, I don't know if... I know what you mean about the contract, as in like, I, I don't have many strong feelings either way. I, like, I wish he'd gone after the FA Cup. Um, I wish he hadn't signed that two-year extension. I think just go off on a high. Like, imagine if we got Klopp. You know I, mean? I, th- I think he just left a couple of years too late but oh definitely this is look this is at the end of the day once Klopp and Pep had gone to other clubs and I don't think Pep was ever coming to Arsenal in a situation because you know Pep traditionally just spends a shitload of money on defenders and other players to build a team that plays the way he likes and we were never going to do that I could have seen Klopp but once kind of those two managers were gone in the market that we sacked our manager it just it just felt like, because obviously things move in phases, kind of managers will go, be at clubs for a few years and then move on. It felt like we moved both a year and a half too late and a year and a half too early. We were smack bang in the middle of that. We missed the window, but then we didn't wait long enough for the next window. And I genuinely, and I think to be fair, one of the reasons that I think this, this, kind of situation has happened and I don't think it would have happened under this new regime is the lack of kind of um 
kind of clarity from the board, from from everyone. And uh, I think if we'd have had kind of the situation that we're having now, they could, they might have come out and said, look, Wenger's going to leave at the end of his two-year contract. Arteta is going to take over or whoever's going to take over. Because I think that, you know, Arteta will have spent a year learning under Pep. And then if he came in and kind of deputized for Wenger, would have spent a year deputizing under Wenger and then taken over and would have gotten a free run at it. But we got rid of Wenger and then made a, which I thought was a decent decision at the time, a snapshot move and a knee-jerk move to go for a man with kind of what seemed to be pedigree in Unai Emery without realising that everywhere other than Sevilla that he'd ever been to, he'd kind of failed his pre kind of prerequisites. You know, in the Russian league, he didn't do particularly well. PSG, anyone can win the French league with that team. And Sevilla, one of the main reasons that he kept winning the Europa League was because he kept getting knocked out of the Champions League. So, hmm. And I, I just, I, I, I feel really sorry and sad about how it ended because I feel like a love affair like that and a story like that deserved that final sign-off or that yeah. swan song ending in the sense that even if we'd finished sixth again, he got that final season. Everyone knew it was happening. So we got to appreciate it more because that's why I think things got so turgid and toxic was because nothing was being said yeah. about the current situation. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's as much to do with the board as it is to do with Wenger or the fans or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm interested to... You know, he's a he's a legend. And let's be clear, Ozil, Party, Aubameyang don't join us at the state we were, where we were in when they joined us without Wenger. Like, he he is the reason those guys came to the club. And... And you look at like Camavinga and like um, there's been another player this week who said that they were an Arsenal fan. Oh, Pog, was it Pogba who said like there's a whole generation of players who are basically Arsenal fans because of that team. Yeah. A lot of like young French players as well. Um, I think in terms of how it ended, it's a shame. I think you're right in terms of he either needed to put in a proper succession plan and leave when he did or leave three or four years earlier. Like, I think he just I think mm-hmm. he just held on a bit too long, which is why I think the 2017 would have been great. Yeah. If he'd have bowed out then, he'd won an FA Cup, that's totally fine. You know, it didn't quite work out towards the end, but, you know, it was those extra couple of years where you're just like, oh. Um, it was, so he won it in 20, was it 2017? So it was the, he only stayed one more season, right? Or was it two more seasons? Uh, yeah, he it was seventeen, and then he and then he left at the end of uh, end of eighteen. Unai had eighteen, nineteen, nineteen, and then most of well, uh, half, half of nineteen, of 19, twenty. 20 yeah. So you think that extra one year, what was it worth? Yeah, you know? and, and and for me, if you're Wenger, like you you've won that, you know, you want to retire soon. I I wonder what happened in that interim. Like I'm sure, and I'm I'm I've got his book, and I'm interested in reading it, um, and finding out about that. But but the there's something there. There's some, there's some kind of, you know, you, you don't win an FA Cup with the perfect opportunity to to to, um, to bow out and then think you're just going to do one more year. No. Because he knew he wasn't going to win the league that next year. He knew he wasn't going to win the Champions League. Had we qualified that year? Had we come fifth? I can't remember. Uh, no, 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 no. So we didn't... The, the only two times that we didn't qualify for the Champions League under Wenger were his last two seasons. Yeah. So at that point, he, we hadn't qualified for the Champions League. He's not going to win the Champions League. So I, I don't know. I just didn't know what was in it for him. And I'm, I'm interested to read his book and find out. Yeah. I'm currently sort of 50 pages in. And he's just talked about Strasbourg and how he lived in his parents' bistro. So I'm hoping at some point it'll 
it'll pick up hmm. but um yeah maybe but also like i think i think i've seen a lot of stuff about it being like oh it's not particularly revealing and it's not like a but venga if you thought venga was going to come out and be like you know I-, I was hoping for interesting stories but if you thought venga was going to come out and be like jose Mourinho s- slept with i slept with his wife and uh i and alex ferguson you remember him he was an android like it's not going to happen is it like he's he's arsen venga um <laughs> Uh, I think there'll be another book. I hope so. As in, like, I think I think it will be a situation where because he still works in football, so I think that there's a lot that cannot be revealed because of that. Yeah, exactly. And he's a he's a FIFA so, ambassador, or whatever he is. So, yeah, yeah. So I think maybe in maybe another five years' time, yeah. there'll be another book that will reveal a lot more of these kind of interesting facts that we're all wanting mm-hmm. to hear. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to hear, though, that he turned down Van Persie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there was... I don't know if it's quotes from the book or if it's quotes from this interview that are going around where basically after Alex Ferguson retired after RVP's first season, RVP wanted to come back to Arsenal um, and Wenger turned him down because he said, we're building a new team around youth and youngsters and RVP was at the end of his career. So, Mm. yeah, apparently... Interesting. Yeah. So, Bradders, I want to do a little... Um, game. Well, let's call it a game. Game with you. Let's call it a game to make it sound more fun. Um, football's off, so I'm not quite into, like, let's do the Ultimate 11s. But, you know, we're kind of... I'm not interested in breaking down England games. So I'm kind of interested to play a little game with you of looking back. They did this on the Ask blog, which I'm absolutely ripping off. Uh, but I think it's really interesting. Thank you, Ars Blog. Thank you, Ars Blog. Um, where essentially they're going through the players that we've bought in the last five years, the main transfers, big transfers, not like end of loan for Dayan Iliev. Um, and like, you know, basically, would you do it again? Would you do okay. that deal again? Yeah. So now, so what I'm going to say is going to preface this with... This is absolute captain hindsight, right? Of course it is. We can't know any of these, but knowing what we know now, this is the question, would you do the deal? Okay? Yeah. And what are my options? Just yes or no? I'm going to go for yes or no. And when I disagree with you or agree with you, I'm going to challenge you, Brad. Okay. Okay. Well, let's go for it then. So let's start with a big kahuna. Nicolas Pepe for 72 million from LOSC Lille. No. I agree with you. I think uh, this was an interesting one on the, on the Ask Blog as well. Like they were talking about it. And I was like, it, up to now, it was a big shout from Gunner Blog, who doesn't really normally um, make shouts like this. But he was like, he's a flop. And I, I don't necessarily think he's a flop as a player, but for the price we paid for him, I agree. That's the, that's the issue. That's the issue. It's seventy-two. It's seventy-two million pounds. It's but that's the like, deal. The question isn't is Nicolas Pepe a good player. It's we. It's would you pay seventy-two million for him again? Is the deal a flop? And would I do the deal again? No, of course not. He's the thing is though is he's a he's a forty million pound player. Yeah, at most, and we got kind of 
we got we got price gouged into play, paying a ridiculous fee for him. Of course, I wouldn't pay seventy two million pounds from again. You know, for seventy two million pounds, you're talking about your Virgil Van Dyke transfer, game changing, like title you want that winning. to completely yeah. revolutionise and revitalise your teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I'm not saying that Nicolas Pepe cannot be part of a title winning setup as a player. I'm just saying he has not had that effect on the team, and for a club that, you know historically struggles financially due to not having the input of a player committing 72 million pounds to one asset Mm. that has now devalued to probably about 40 million if we were lucky yeah 40 50 million maybe in a good market we'll just have to wait and see but no of course definitely wouldn't do the deal again yeah uh saliba for 27 million pounds I'm saying no. Up to now, I up to now, genuinely, in terms of what we got out of William Saliba, £27 million, obviously not. You're buying the potential, right? Of course. But f- of course. up to yeah, now... Yeah, yeah, but this is the issue. I can't... You don't You don't know and I don't know. But but what I'm saying is even the potential or the growth that we've... Growth... Growth... The growth that we've seen up to now, I haven't even seen enough to make me think... No, because you've never seen him really in an Arsenal shirt. We saw him against MK Dance, like... This is the issue. Yeah. I understand kind of the premise and the question, but I genuinely don't believe I can give an informed answer because I do not know how good he is right now. You know, I didn't watch him when he was in League One. He hasn't played for six months. So it's one of those where if we're talking about what he could turn into be, I'd say, yeah, I'd do the deal again because if you t- you say £27 million to what could be a top-tier centre-back, of course, you know, but if we're talking £27 million and he is now the player that he will be forever, then no, it's it's a really difficult thing because we've he hasn't he hasn't played a competitive match for our club, so we can't judge how good he is. Because even the French league is completely different. If we're just going off the basis of the financials, I'd probably say no, but I think that just comes with the hindsight of understanding that coronavirus is going to turn him from a twenty seven million pound player to a to an eighteen to twenty million pound player in twelve months time. But you know, everything's rich with hindsight. We can say that about the financial side of things, but I genuinely couldn't give you a proper answer as to whether I'd do this deal again or not because we've not seen him play for the club. At least with Pepe, we've got some indication. Bit of an easy one. Kieran Tierney, 24 mil. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. David Luiz, uh, 7.83 million. Yes. I would say yes as well. Actually, what he's given us for that fee isn't bad. And I think also now we have a Brazilian contingent, I think he... And the stuff like getting Willian over, I think, I imagine Gabriel, mm-hmm. well, I know he he helped get the Gabriel deal done. And like, yeah, I, th- I think overall, maybe not always what he offers on the pitch, but certainly what he offers off the pitch no. as well is, is good. Yeah. Pablo Mari for the loan, no. the loan fee plus whatever we paid for him. What did we pay for him this year? It's turned out to be £16 million pounds in total, yeah. apparently. No. Something around there. Nope. You're saying no? Absolutely not. I'd have to agree. Yeah, I think it's... I mean, again, it's difficult because we haven't seen much of him. I think when he's played, he's looked all right. But this like, is the issue. I don't understand. To... But I don't, I don't understand why we've spent so much money on somebody that's... It's like this the whole thing where we gave Cedric a four-year contract after he'd played, what, not even two matches for the club yeah. or something stupid like that. And it's the same with Pablo Mari. He played the game against City... 
maybe another one other game got injured and then has been out ever since and we've signed him on a permanent deal. I don't know why we've done that. And even, and you know, he looked all right. But when you consider that this transfer cost, you know, £16 million and Gabriel Magalhaes cost £23 million, you look at the the kind of return on investment. The the absolute kind of the 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 return on investment instantly, and in the in the and the kind of golfing quality between the two players. It looks like you know Gabriel Magalhaes is a fantastic buy and an absolute steal, and Pablo Mari looks like a massive overpayment currently because he didn't look particularly comfortable in the few minutes he did play. Obviously, whether that's because you know. Foreign country, new team. He looks all right, but like, yeah, but yeah. again, sixteen million pounds is a lot of money for somebody who looked all right for five minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Martinelli from Ituano for six mil. Yeah, obvs. Even Obviously. if honestly, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't do anything else, just to see how rattled Chelsea fans are on Twitter at that goal. Yeah, mate. Mate. They bring up that goal more than anyone else. More than Arsenal fans. I have never seen an Arsenal fan tweet that goal other than... It's just been Chelsea fans. They're so rattled. I love it. So... Uh, the saltiness is real. I'm going to skip the loan. Uh, uh, no, okay. Oh, um, okay. Uh, Cedric from Southampton on a loan and then a free. Uh, the loan, Yes. If he, but is it because I, I think the issue is is we can't we can't predict injury and and I, I I think at the time it made sense as like a smart enough deal to bring him in on for six. But we're months. playing captain hindsight. Oh, absolutely. But as in, I this is what I'm saying. Like I do the loan again. I can understand why the loan was done and it made sense at the time. And it's unfortunate that you got injured because you know Maitland Niles wasn't really playing as a right back at that point regularly we didn't know how good he was in that position and that kind of right wing back role we were still fiddling around with the system and i can understand looking at a club that only has hector as his main option i love the phrase fiddling around <laughs> <laughs> what's the etymology of fiddling do i want to know um it's a uh, violin because you're a fiddle player fiddling Etymology. I'm sh- I'm sure you're right. Yeah, it comes from the old English fitel, fitel, fiteli, denoting a violin or similar instrument. What can I say? I'm a genius. You are a genius, Brad. <laughs> or a very good guess. Who knows? Um, no, I only, uh, fiddler on the roof, mate. We were the, the musicals are coming in. Uh, we were fiddling around. Sorry, I interrupted you with my thirst for knowledge um so yeah i think the the loan deal was fine probably do it again if we're talking about obviously understanding that we wouldn't know that you would get injured but the permanent signing makes no sense to me i could understand if we needed cover but the permanent signing just seems like the what like the honestly the most brainless move that arsenal football club have made in a transfer window in years it's a, it's a kim kalstrom on a four-year deal what are we doing <laughs> kim kalstrom like Sometimes I blissfully forget that happened. Uh, Danny Ceballos on loan. Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I do that even last year. I think he gave us enough, especially towards the end of the season. 100%. Uh, Lucas Torreira for 25... This is now eighteen nineteen. Lucas Torreira for 25 million. Yep, I'll do it again. i do it again because I think we'll get that back and more. Yeah. And I think he he was decent. I just don't think he fits in Arteta's system. Yeah. Uh, Leno for 22 million. Yep. I'm saying, yeah. 
Socrates for 14.4 million. No. Yeah, I'm going no as well. I think he was all right for a bit. There were smarter buys out there at the time for not much more money. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I just, I, it was a and I, and I know why we did it, but. Yeah, we did it. At the, I, I understand we needed to at the time, but it just seemed, it seems to be now with, you know, Captain Hindsight, a massively overinflated fee for what was a 30 year old at the time. Hmm. Uh, and it, we've saddled ourselves with him because he's on big wages. So no, I would, I would yep. ne- not do the deal again. Uh, Matteo Guendouzi from FC Lorient for seven point two mil. I would. I would. Yeah, hundred percent. Because I think we'll definitely get that. As in, back. I would do the deal, not Matteo. <laughs> no, I think we'll get that money back. If not ten, uh, not uh, if if not like three, four times that. Yeah. You know, we could easily clear thirty million pounds on him next summer if he has a good season, or he could turn yeah. into a player that we decide to keep. So yeah, I think you're never getting less than that for him. Is I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, even if he never signs another contract with Arsenal, I, I, I imagine we'd get that back. Yeah. Uh, Dennis, <laughs> do not say his name. No, this is a serious question, Brad. No, Dennis Suarez. No, FC Barcelona. No, or two point two five minutes on the pitch. Never. No, two point two five million a million pounds. Never, never again. So, Brad, I'm not clear what your answer is. He's just the Spanish Kim Kalstrom. I'll give, I'll give you a better one. Stefan Licksteiner on a free transfer. Oh, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, Aubameyang for fifty-seven million. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Every bloody time. Unbelievable bit of business. Um, in hindsight, signing him and Lacazette, not in the same summer, but in the same season, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, but I think that just proves how much Lacazette's been a flop. A flop. Uh, okay, Lacazette for 47.7 million. Nope. I really wanted Lacazette. I remember where I was. I remember where I was when class. And I was outside um, 303. If you know where yeah, that is. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know where that is. I was outside there and I remember him signing it and going, oh my God. This is it. We've signed a baller. We've signed a striker. And I think I saw people at the time. Actually, I did see Medio Centro at the time or Wrighty, whatever his name is. I saw him saying, guys, don't get too excited. He can't run. And he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. Like, he just, I think if Lacazette could run or had legs, he does have legs, but if he had legs he could use, he would be an unbelievable striker. He would be lethal. He just feels like a short Giroud. Yeah, he's just like stocky and kind of, he's just I don't know whether he put on too much muscle, I don't know. I, he just feels, if he was a bit more agile even just a bit more agile, not even less not even quicker, just gets gets around the place a bit quicker. Like I think he, he could be a he could be a 50 to 100 million pound striker but because, and because he's so confidence based and because of the way the game is going He's just left behind. Yeah, I think it was the wrong. I think it was the right type of striker, but for the wrong future. If that makes sense, like as in, yeah, the the signing made sense at the time. You yeah. know, you think that you had Özil in behind. If we'd have signed him for the twenty kind of for the season where Leicester won it, you never know whether kind of the 
15 to 20 goals he might have contributed could have pushed us over the line. But I just, I do think that... And he now just pushes me over the edge. Yeah, I think that his, his inclusion in our squad is currently meaning that we're playing the one... I mean, I think he is the best, the best striker in the league on the wing, you know? It's no surprise that Aubameyang's most productive season was through the middle with two creative wingers. So I just... It, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah, that's, this is another one where I feel sorry for him, but. I don't know if we have the players, I don't know if we have the players to play about being through the middle, but yeah, we've had this discussion so many times. <laughs> I do, I do now, I do now, but we'll see, we'll see, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's such a shame because he was a player, I mean, I loved him when he was at Leon. Um, I thought he was brilliant, but he just has not, he's not the player that he was there, and yeah, I just w- I would never do the deal again. Not for the money as well. Forty-seven million pounds. You think, Christ? When we're struggling to even pay that yeah. for certain players now. Yeah, imagine if we got our. You know. Uh, Mkhitaryan. Nope. No. Mavropanos for one point eight nine million from PAS Giannina. Yeah, I think that's money that we'll easily get back on him if we sell him this summer. I think we'll get that back. I think Mavropanos is 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 it kind of decent enough. Yeah, it represents just good business. Like he's clearly a better player than where he was playing. Yeah, I don't think he's going to change the world, but he's getting games in the Bundesliga. Like a, a top team will take him for ten, fifteen mil. Mm. Um. So yeah, uh, Kalasenac on a free transfer. Yes. Yeah, that's a tricky one. At the time, we needed him. Yeah. Like we needed a left back. I think recency bias and... would get me to say a flat no. But overall, but, I mean, the season that he came on a free, he was a Bundesliga team of the season. Overall, overall, if you look at his overall contribution, overall, should I say overall again? I think he just about tips into yes. Like not much. Yeah, I think it's it's like a it's a very knife edge thing. It's very very much you could you could easily say yes or no. You yeah. could easily say yes or no. But I'd say because we needed him at the time, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Could uh, you imagine if we'd got the 60 million that City offered us for Alexis oh. and put that back in the squad? Fuck's sake. Uh, Instead of just giving Mkhitaryan 180 grand a week. Xhaka for £40.5 million. Jesus, was Xhaka that expensive? According to transfermarked.co.uk, he was. No. Ooh, I'm going yes. No, I think there's better players that could be had. I think he's so limited that if you think we've 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 just paid forty five million for Thomas Party, and Thomas Party is so clear of Granite Jacker. I just think that there was there's so many other options that we could have gone for that for forty million pounds. I think it's like the kind of when Sesk came back and he went to Chelsea. That was only for about thirty million, maybe wasn't an expensive deal, you know, and then he was, I mean, I know he fell off a cliff form-wise, but first season he was back in the Premier League, he was top of the assist charts. So I do think that that, again, it's it's a big, yeah, I don't think that the deal was, was really worth it for Arsenal. I, I wouldn't do it again. I I really like Xhaka, like as a guy. Yeah, but again, he's not, he's not the best footballer. Yeah. I, we're not going to win a Premier League with him in our midfield, and I think this is the this is the uh, conversation we're having. Who would we buy or sell, or who, or who would we have kind of ignored to buy somebody? That's what I mean about Lacazette. Say, for example, we 
in Wenger's final season, we have Aubameyang for that first six months. Does that change the layout of our season when we're playing free-flowing attacking football with one of the best strikers? You know, who scored 10 goals in 13 league games from January onwards. And so the signing of Lacazette makes no sense to me. So it's kind of the same with Xhaka. If we don't sign Xhaka, it would have to be meaning that we obviously sign somebody else. But I just think that there's better out there. I understand your argument, but I disagree with it. I think. Okay, tell me why. I tell me why. Um, I think. The. I think. I really like Shaka. I really like him, and I think. I think if Emery hadn't happened, I think we would have seen his value a lot sooner. I think it, it when he first came, he looked really solid. I don't. What I'm saying is, I don't think he's worth forty million. I think you're right, but would I do the deal again? Yes, because I think from what he's offered, he's done enough to justify that price tag, if not hit it. If that makes sense, as in some players smash through that price tag. Of course they do. I don't think Jack has got there to that price tag, but I think what he has offered, I'm not. If I had the choice of not doing it and doing it, I think he's closer to to justifying the price tag. I think he's. I just remember him under kind of Wenger still being a very limited player who was making mistakes. And I just think that... I, don't, I think he's really useful in a certain system. I yes, just think we haven't but... seen the right the right players around him. And I, and I hate that whole, like, if we, sign, if we sign one more player, we can unlock Paul Pogba. But, like, it's it's just... It's the... I, I, I think... I think Xhaka is underrated in terms of his his progression of the ball, in terms of his recycling of the ball, in terms of the tempo he sets, in terms of the leadership, in terms of... But a lot of people can do that. Like, he's not he's not somebody that I truly believe his kind of technical assets are so specific to him. Go on, Brad, name me one. Should we have a fight on the podcast once, just for just for views? For views, for, for, for listeners? Let's have a fight. Let's have a fight. We, uh, you, look at, you look at a player like Thiago Alcantara... I'm not saying we obviously would have got him or should have got him. You look like if, you know, there are there are lots of midfielders who can recycle the ball and pass the ball well, as well as being slightly more mobile and for £40 million in a pre-Neymar market. Because obviously... That's your other one. That's, that's your other one, apart from Hugh Wizzy, the Neymar. Yeah, pre-Neymar market. <laughs> but it's it's an important thing to understand that we paid £40 million for him when the market was at least kind of still at its steady-ish rate. Like, that's a lot, that's a lot yeah. of Wonga. That is a lot of Wonga. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Mustafi for 36 mil. Nope. Lucas Perez. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Lucas Perez? Oh, don't, don't. Where does he play now? Like, probably like fucking... Real saucy at that or somewhere. No, you're you're he plays at Deportivo Alaves. That's where we fucking signed him from, I'm pretty sure. No, we signed him from Deportivo La Coruña. Oh, same shit. I oh, was sorry, Deportivo de La Coruña. I, I thought it was just Deportivo La Coruña. Oh, there you go. Fuck me. Learn something every day. Uh Takuma Asano for for three mil, three point five mil. Who again? Did he ever play for us? No, because he never had a work permit. Tell you what was a good signing. Rob Holding from Bolton for 2.7 million. 2 million quid. Yeah. Yeah, do that again. 
Definitely. And Cohen Bramall for 36000 Never seen him in a shirt. Yeah, never saw him. But did we sell him for a profit? Because if so, I'm down. Cohen Bramall, we loaned him out. And then Cohen Bramall went to Colchester United for a free transfer. Great. <laughs> Fuck's sake. All right, last season, Brad. Last season, okay. This is your favourite summer. We signed two players. I oh, know we didn't sign two players. We signed we signed one player in the summer and then one player in January. Peter Abadeus Czech. That's definitely not his middle name. Just made that up. For twelve point five million pounds. This is such a difficult one. Can I say no just to get off this section? <laughs> yeah, no. I I I'm inclined to agree with you. I just think that we signed him to then sign a goalkeeper two seasons later. And I think maybe if we don't sign him, we sign a goalkeeper maybe slightly earlier who's slightly different. But no, I, I think, yeah, I'm going to side with you. It's It seemed like a great deal at the time and one that could really kick us on. But not signing anyone else that summer was the beginning of the end. Yeah, ca- yeah Captain Hindsight tells us that didn't happen. And then finally... Things you didn't know about Mr. Mohamed Elneny. For five mil, was it? It was 11.25 million. Are you joking? That's what transfermarked.co.uk says, Brad. Mate, that's mental. Um, Yeah, I'd I'd probably do the deal again. I feel like he's a 15 million pound player if we sell him, so. There you go. That achieved nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. No, but the world knows our thoughts now, Brad, which is what we wanted. The world does know our thoughts. Okay, we had a question. We'll finish off with a question. Okie dokie. We had a question from... Oh, God. I'm so sorry if I pronounce... We have international fans, and I love it. It's so cool to think that we're being played in other places. And I look on our little stats, and it's really cool. And I just want to take an opportunity to say thank you to everyone who has ever listened to this podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. It's fucking sick, and we love it. However, me and my white Western lens means I find it hard to pronounce names. So I do apologize because I know how it makes me look. Ayush Jimire. I hope that's close. And I'm sorry if it's not. Despite us being quite successful in the past, our first teams haven't been filled with our own academy products. If you think about all the successful teams like Bayern, Barca, Man U, all their teams were filled with their academy graduates. We, on the other hand, were known to develop unknown players and turn them into superstars like Henri Vieira Pires, but they weren't necessarily from our own academy. Why do you think that was, and do you think we're changing that now, or is it just me being overreactionary and hopeful for the future? Anyways, long question, but enjoy your pod, and hopefully this question gets there. It got there. It got here, mate. It's a really good question, actually, because... Um, yeah, it's there's a lot to delve into yeah, there. I... I um. Okay, yeah, I I know what you mean in terms of in in like the 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 famous winning sides of those clubs of the United. You've got like your the class of ninety two. You've got even now like they haven't won anything particularly recently, but even now they they've got loads of academy graduates. Rashford, Greenwood, yeah, um, McTominay is as well, isn't he? Maybe, I'm not really sure. De Gea, they've he's not an academy graduate, but they've developed. Um, uh, Harry Maguire they bought him in from um, from, from Bico so that's nice um, but um, <laughs> you fell in easy 
Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's a difficult question to answer. I think, I don't know whether that's changing now. I, I, I think we're looking, we, we, we certainly appear to be improving the loan situation. Mm-hmm. And how we handle loans, which I think was where a lot of the players, you look at like the likes of Chelsea. Hasn't Lucas Piazon been on loan at Chelsea for about 15 years? Um, anyway, he, like, I think that sort of situation, we're looking at loans that are going to genuinely benefit us, which I think is part of it. Mm-hmm. I think we're tr- clearly trying to, I think we signed something like eight players at academy level at the moment. We've signed Omar Rekic, who is a fantastic young player from Hertha Berlin. Um I think we're addressing it. Whether that happens or not is difficult to tell. It depends on the generation. But I know at youth level, from what I've read and what I've seen, there is a lot of um, optimism for the future. And there's a lot of kind of uh, hope around the likes of, uh, obviously, Balogun, if that situation Mm -hmm. comes out, Aziz, uh, John Jules, there's a guy called Charlie Patino. Uh, names that keep cropping up and are doing well at youth level. We've obviously had Nketiah, who's um, broken the uh, under-21 record this week. I think there's movement. Mm-hmm. And it, you, you look at Saka, but I know what he means. It's like you get like one. You'll get like a Saka or you'll get a Wilshire or you'll get like a... Um, I've completely gone blank. <laughs> I think it that it's a lot to do with luck because... You can mention teams like Bayern and maybe even Juventus or those kind of clubs who seem to be kind of producing the most prolific and dominant homegrown talents. But then you look at the way that they get them. The reason that they get them is because yeah. they just they they because they're Bayern. They're they're Bayern and they just buy them and they're buying all the players. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, God, again, again. Oh, oy vey, oy vey. <laughs> You're like an old Jewish woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a lot to do with luck. You know, we, it, we've we been very lucky that a lot of our youth prospects have seemed to have kicked on, you know, and Ketia's coming good, at least to a degree where he might be able to be a serviceable Premier League striker. You look at Saka, who's now playing excellently. You look at, the, you know, obviously we didn't grow him, but Martinelli, who's only been here for a season, but is you know, averaging a goal or an assist at a ridiculous rate currently in the Premier League, even though he's, I mean, he's been injured for a long time, but fair enough. So I think it's, it's kind of, it's really difficult because, you know, we talk about kind of having the Henri's, the Perez's, the Vieira's, all of those players who may not have been global superstars and then came here, but, you know, Henri won the World Cup before he joined Arsenal, I'm pretty sure. So it's 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 a difficult line to walk because I think that there have also been a lot of successful teams that have bought their success in that they've bought global superstars. You look at the Chelsea of old, you look at the Chelsea currently, you look at PSG, you look at Man City, you know, they are buying the best players and it is working for the most part. And Bayern though are a team that have got a lot of homegrown talent, you know, Neuer's from Schalke, um, Lewandowski is from Dortmund, Gnabry is from Arsenal, Sane is from City and Schalke. Uh, you know, they they buy a lot of their players. I don't think there's... I think it's... It's really interesting, but I don't ever think it's... They buy... No, sorry, you go, mate. That, well, well I th- I, and not to cut across you, but I think what you're saying is like, 
you get very lucky occasionally, like the Man United class yeah. of 92. But a lot of these teams who appear to have academy graduates and appear to be having an incredible youth setup actually recruit very well young. Yeah, they just I, hoover up all of the young talent. Exactly. And you look at, and for example, like if you look at, for example, Bayern have just signed a guy called Nubel, I think, or I could be wrong. Yeah, from He's a goalkeeper, Schalke. a Schalke, right? They they are such big clubs that, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Every kid grows up, sees Bayern Munich winning and goes to them and wins. And the next generation goes grows up, sees Bayern Munich winning, goes to them, right? You're going to go to the most successful team. If Bayern Munich come in for you or Bayern Leverkusen come in for you, you, you know where you're going. And I think what you're trying to say is like, there's a... It, it, I, I don't think there has ever been really a club, and correct me if I'm wrong, who has had, apart from maybe that class of 92, has had genuinely, from four years old, developed these players and had an entire generation in one team, apart from that class of 92, if we're looking if we're looking recently, as in I'm sure there was going back past that, but like in the modern yeah. game. Um, and obviously and- it's, it's difficult about where you draw the line because you can say, is it just that they all have to have come from the same kind of graduating class of whatever... Or do you look at the fact that, you know, Barcelona have had some great academy graduates. And if you look at yeah. kind of that team that won the Champions League with kind of Puyol at the back and Messi at the front and a lot of players around them, a fair few of them, I think, came from the Barcelona Academy. But it's it's a lot to do with luck and a lot to do with kind of the league that you're in. I think it's a lot more difficult for Premier League teams because there's a lot of big teams in the Premier League. You know, this is one of the most difficult times for the Premier League to win the league, you know, because you've got such strong kind of contenders in City and Liverpool. And it seems like they're the two kind of favourites and everyone else is currently playing catch up. But if you go back kind of five years or 10 years, it was a constantly ever changing thing. And obviously you had United at the top for a lot of it, but there'd be a few seasons where they would drop off and you'd have kind of, Chelsea at the top or you'd have Arsenal fighting at the top and yeah I think it's a lot more difficult in a league that has a lot more a, a lot of quality teams it's one team like a Bayern Bayern are so obviously the best team in the Bundesliga that they can mm. hoover up all of that kind of all of the German talent 19 year old German talent the same with Juventus Juventus yeah. just hoover up all of the talent in Italy and that's starting to kind of fade away with other clubs trying to recruit early you look at kind of Sandro Tonali going to AC Milan. Mm. Other clubs are trying to be smart as well with how young they're bringing people in, but I think it's just difficult yeah. in the Premier League. But I think what we can what we can do to kind of answer the question is like, I think we can be smart and be like those clubs in terms of picking up, 100%. trying as much as possible at youth level to pick up those players because they may not all come through. But if you if you recruit smartly, you're going to make a profit and you're going to be able to churn out and know that your academy is, is on top. Yeah. And I think we are, from what I, from what I hear, putting a lot of, a lot of, um, lot of work in at that at that level, and also kind of yes, we should be signing those players and developing them into superstars, and maybe not coming from the academy. But I think you can do both, mm-hmm. and we can make we can learn the lessons that that the likes of Bayern and the likes of Manchester United have 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 done over the years. And try not to let them have that monopoly over just any, you know, they can sign basically any player from four to 21 and claim them as, as their own. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a tricky line to 
to to tread um, with that because you you know you, there's so much you don't know around that. But when you can sign everyone, it looks great. You, we we can take mm-hmm. less we we can take less risks. We um we can take less chances on people. Yeah, because we are that we are not a club with that kind of financial or or footballing pull in in the same country. And for every in, player in, in that works. And every player that comes good, yeah. there are five that don't. Yeah, which is what, which is why I say I think it's less about like they recruit better and more just they recruit more and 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 have that power and have that self fulfilling prophecy and and kind of do that. I hope we can do the same, and I hope we can improve our recruitment there. But we also have to be smart. We also have restrictions, so it's a tricky one. But I I hope. I like the signings of, for example, Tierney and Martinelli and building for the know, future um, players like that and Saliba, who, who, who appear to be signings that we wouldn't maybe wouldn't have made three or four years ago, signings that are a bit more of a gamble and could potentially pay off massively. Um, but yeah, we'll see on that one. All right, Brad, I'm going to watch the England game because I want to have a good one. Because I want I'm to. Not. I don't know hurt myself apparently or yourself today uh yeah mate and is starting sick um, so we'll see with that and presumably sack will get some minutes he's on the bench i Fingers think he needs to play again to to mean he plays for england um that'd be good so yes get him on the pitch all right uh pleasure brad as always as as always thanks mate see you soon Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. If you did enjoy that and want to hear some more, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using for a new podcast every Monday and Thursday. If you want to support the show and get access to exclusive content, check us out on Patreon and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DiffKnock. Thanks. Podcast Network.